This B Podcast Network show is presented by IXL. IXL's all-inclusive online teaching and learning platform simplifies ed tech needs and accelerates achievement in 95 of the top 100 U.S. school districts. IXL delivers personalized learning across a comprehensive pre-K-12 curriculum, including math, language arts, science, and social studies, and it helps you assess student performance through actionable real-time insights at every level of your school or district. This one solution performs work that typically requires dozens of different tools. Want to find out why so many leading districts trust IXL? Visit IXL.com forward slash B-E. That's IXL.com forward slash B-E. TL Talk Radio, Season 2, Episode 21. Welcome to Season 2, Episode 21 of TL Talk Radio, a regular podcast with Lynn Funihatton and Randy Ziegenfuss, where our goal is to engage you in learning, motivate you to share your work, and inspire you to lead for the change we need in schools for the digital age. I'm Randy Ziegenfuss. And I'm Lynn Funihatton. Good afternoon, Randy. Hey there, Lynn. So excited today uh, that we have the opportunity to talk with Zach Chase, a Connect Ed specialist with the Department of Ed's Office of Educational Technology. Zach led the most recent revision of the National Education Technology Plan. Uh, he serves as the department's liaison to the president's Broadband Opportunity Council and coordinates OET's efforts around technology and early learning and ed tech and teacher preparation. Busy guy. He also moderates the office's um, Office of Ed Tech Tech Tuesday Hangouts. For decades, Zach worked at the school and district level, first as a middle school and high school teacher, and then as a district instructional technology coordinator. Um, for fun, <laughs> whatever time he has left in the day, he likes to make and uh, is a distance runner. So looking forward to talking with Zach today. Welcome to the show, Zach. Thanks very much. Thanks for having me. Excited to be here. Awesome. We're excited to hear about the National Education Technology Plan. So most of our audience uh, are school leaders. So tell us a little bit about what is the National Education Technology Plan and why should school leaders be interested in it? Yeah. Um, so the National EdTech Plan is um, the flagship policy document for educational technology for the country. Um, it is in its 20th year of existence. So the first document came out in 1996. Um, it's our anniversary edition. Um, <laughs> super exciting there. It's also the fifth edition um, of the document. Um, so the last time it was revised was in 2010. For uh, kind of perspective on that, uh, if folks are listening and they have Chromebooks uh, or they have a tablet computer or they have some sort of wearable technology. All of that has popped into existence mm -hmm. um, in schools since the last version of the plan uh, mm -hmm. was put out. As far as a, a reference for leaders uh, and what they might find uh, useful in it, it, it really is a document that we hope um, not only sets a vision and, and provides some good recommendations for what schools and districts and states can do around educational technology, but also provides, I want to say, around 50 different examples of organizations and people doing this work, of really transforming learning and teaching 
um, through the use of technology. Uh, one of the pieces, as we started to talk to folks across the country about the 2010 plan, was they said, you know, it was a, it was a great vision um, at a very high level. But when uh, those who were eager adopters went to try to help people shift their practice, there wasn't a good picture in folks' minds of what it, learning and teaching could become. Uh, and so hopefully the document can help leaders really start to think about, oh, here's what I want my school, my classroom, my district to start to look like uh, when we start using these technology tools in service of learning and teaching. And I think that's one of the uh, barriers that we have in education is we, we can talk a vision, but we really don't uh, have a clear understanding of what exactly that looks like. So the sounds like the National Ed Tech Plan will help us to get there, and that's one of the reasons why we should uh, dig into it. And, and thinking about that, um, this plan, you've identified five essential areas and um, that help us to create this revolution, revolutionary transformation rather than evolutionary tinkering within this system. So can you share with us those uh, five essential areas as you have outlined them in the plan? Sure. Uh, the, the first is uh, learning, uh, then teaching then leadership, assessment, and infrastructure. Um, learning coming first um, just as the, the main goal, right? Uh, how, what is it we're trying to do in public education? Uh, and then if that is the vision for, for learning, how can we um, shift teaching practices to support that vision? Um, and then a shift from the 2010 plan to this version, to, to 2016 version of the plan, uh, is the inclusion of a leadership section. It was another piece. We did, um, oh, more than uh, two dozen interviews, one-on-one -on -one interviews with leaders across the country around educational technology and uh, a dozen in-person and virtual focus groups as well. And one of the pieces that they said is, you know, there's your, the 2010 plan didn't speak to leadership. Right? It didn't set, uh, speak to setting a vision for an organization um, or for a system. And so the leadership section is new and also supported uh, by some research of some of the other efforts that we were doing at Ed. Uh, then there is the assessment section and very specifically labeled assessment and, and not teaching. Um, because if we're going to set that vision and we're going to put it into practice, then we need to assess our progress along the way. Uh, and we need to have a better vision for how technology can help support that assessment and uh, perhaps be the mode of that assessment. Um, and then all of that supported in, at a foundational level uh, by a, a robust infrastructure that is nimble and adaptable to increasing needs and shifting needs uh, put forward by the different technologies. So each of those five sections working in concert with the other four um, to, to support a, a broad vision and approach to, to learning and teaching um, mm -hmm. technology. So I really connect with the the idea of leadership, and I think you know over the last couple of years, specifically in our in our own context, that is too, so critical. Really seeing how uh, the leadership is such a key element in, especially systemic change too. We have lots of pockets of thing good things going on, but it's really the leadership and orchestrating those conversations and how principals do that and how central office leaders do that with principals to right. orchestrate those conversations, lead those conversations to bring the kinds of transformation that we want that goes beyond just pockets and starts to permeate throughout the system. So one of the things that we've been 
thinking about and and really focusing our attention on is is the role of leadership as well. Well, and and one of the the kind of phrases that you'll folks will see in the plan uh, is the idea of collaborative leadership, right? So it's not just one uh, woman or man standing and saying, "Here's the vision for what we should be doing," um, but a leader who pulls together the other uh, leaders within a system within a school and says, "What is the vision we're going to create together?" And how are we going to move together to do these kinds of things, um, right? So oftentimes uh, we'll get we'll get that one individual who says, "Now do this," um, and you'll get teachers who are working very hard and diligently in the classroom who said, "Well, I, you know, I've got this entire." Uh, background and fund of information and knowledge about my classroom and the school, I really wish that I had been a part of this vision setting. Um, And so what the research shows is that when there is a collaborative approach to leadership, when everybody has a a chance uh, to lead in their specific domain or their specific role, uh, that's when we can really start to shift systems uh, towards something that is transformational uh, in service of students. A a point well taken. Uh and important for our listeners as well. Uh, So in education, one of the words that we hear a lot these days is innovation, and it's probably actually turning into a very much overused word. But uh, as we start to try and bring uh, the education world closer to the real world, uh, one of the things that we can do in terms of innovation is looking at business startups and the entertainment industry and how they use technology. And so what's the connection? How can these two fields, um, how can the fields of uh, business and entertainment impact uh, education and how we're thinking about innovation and starting to use technology in the learning process? I'd actually like to, to shift that around to kind of go the other way. We're seeing a lot in the field of business and entertainment kind of moving toward education, right, and saying they, they would like to be a greater part in, in education. And I think there's probably some learning that, that education can do from, from those uh, business sectors. But I'd like to turn it the other way. One of the things I've been watching um, while we're recording this, South by Southwest EDU is happening, and, and I've been watching kind of the, the Twitter stream roll by today. And a lot of the points that are being made is that, it is the business sector, it is the entertainment sector that need to bring teachers into the conversation as they're thinking about what they want to develop to help influence education and improve education. So bringing in learning scientists and bringing in teachers to help them understand here's what a classroom looks like, here's what a school looks like, um, and here's the complexity of, of the problems um, that we are trying to solve every day as we help students to learn. Um, I think actually that's the learning that I hope to see happening, right? And, and, and that's the, the problem that I hope that we start to solve a little bit better rather than kind of, oh, hey, we've solved this for business. Business and education are, are very different sectors. Mm-hmm. Um, and so learning together um, what needs to shift and what's different across those two. So very, very important. Uh, so actually that's the piece that I'd like to, to, to shift as far as learning is concerned. You know, folks in the startup, um, ed tech startups specifically, really learning from teachers, right? Sitting mm-hmm. down and saying, help me understand what you do um, in, the, in the process of planning a lesson, in the process of helping students throughout a class period, in, in the grading and assessment of, of student work, um, in offering feedback, right? Those are all lessons um, that the teachers have a deep and important knowledge base for that I think startups uh, and the entertainment industry can, could learn from, from teachers on. Mm-hmm. Actually make a connection to that in a couple of weeks, um, going with a group of folks from Penn, 
uh, we're going out to Silicon Valley area for a week and, and, um, through Wharton, San Francisco, going to be connecting um, with some of these startups and innovators that are focusing on education too. So that your reframing of that uh, is something I will definitely ponder and think about as I uh, move on that trip. So thanks. So the plan is talks about a need for education to implement a new approach to research and development. And as leaders, you know, we certainly have to afford those opportunities. So how can we encourage the scaling of innovative practices in a world where we have these constraints in our system, you know, both fiscal and, and political? It's a great question. It's, uh, so one of the pieces um, that we've worked on uh, at the department to kind of to do this. So we didn't want to put out a plan that just said, now go do this. Um, and and <laughs> we don't have any support for you. Uh, so one piece is our Future Ready Leaders pro uh, Project. Um, so And that's at tech.ed.gov slash leaders. Um, and what the, pe the piece of that that's so important is we – we basically provide eight virtual uh, site visits for leaders who are looking to understand what other districts and schools are doing around these kinds of transformations. Um, and so rather than saying, you know, here's some good ideas we think, we're highlighting eight districts that have said, we want to make this happen. And they're, they're operating with those uh, political and fiscal, fiscal constraints. And they're showing tremendous proce uh, progress as, the, as they move forward. Um, so th that would be one piece. And if you go to that site, um, mm -hmm. there was a, a research synth synthesis that we did, right? And, and we said, you know, rather than just saying, hey, these are some good ideas or this looks like it's a smart idea. Um, the research showed uh, basically four uh, main domains uh, that make for effective change. One is a system that has personalized student learning. Learning. Uh, two is personalized professional learning. Uh, three is collaborative leadership, such as I mentioned earlier. Uh, and four is a robust infrastructure to support all of these kinds of pieces. And then from there, the research shows some, some other areas of focus under each of those domains. So leaders who go to the site um, can answer some questions about each of those focus areas. And then based on those eight site visits across the country, a personalized playlist is uh, put together uh, based on kind of areas of need or interest that the leaders identify. And that playlist takes you into the districts that we visited and lets you meet those leaders that we spoke with um, and lets you learn from them and kind of have them to use as examples when thinking about change. And, and we're building upon that as, as we move forward. Um, and so I think that learning from one another is an important piece. I'd also point to uh, just the general uh, Future Ready Schools component. Uh, uh, part For any district leader who's signing the Future Ready District Pledge, the last tenet of the pledge is that uh, districts will become mentors for those who are following after. And I think that that's incredibly important, right? Uh, looking to ourselves, looking to our colleagues and saying, what is it that you tried that worked or didn't work? And how can you help me understand some, some missteps there? Um, and one of the pieces that we've, we've tried to, to start to build, um, and actually we've gotten some great feedback on, is tech.ed.gov slash stories. Um, and that's our story engine where we ask schools and districts, uh, what was the problem you were trying to solve? What did you do to solve it? What tips and suggestions would you give those who are following after? And what are the resources that you can share? So again, uh, really looking internally to the professional cadre uh, across the country and saying, who's done this before and what can I learn from them? So lots of uh, resources there. And I think that the underlying message to all that is, is that 
this vision is being implemented in places successfully and and you're amplifying that and exactly. and you know i think sometimes in education we use that as a barrier like you know we have these political or these fiscal constraints we can't do that but you've sort of blown up that barrier and and have these examples out there that we can all access and learn from and i think that's a that's a really powerful uh first step towards understanding the reality that these things can actually happen. Well, and it's it's also the perceived barrier, right? I mean, it, that's mm -hmm. the key, is that a lot of these barriers are just the tradition um, of what we have done in the past. And where we see districts really moving forward is not where there's a, a huge policy shift that happens in the district but uh, or the state, but where the, the leaders, um, and, and oftentimes, I mean, leaders at all sections, at all levels, uh, say, wait a minute, what if we try this? I mean, there's not actually a rule against that. And that's where we're finding some some tremendous success. It brings it back to that leadership piece again, how yep. key mm -hmm. that is. So we're hearing a lot about personalized learning and this shift in uh, student agency and learning. How do the goals and recommendations in the National Education Technology Plan align with the goals of personalized learning? Um, <laughs> It's a fantastic question. I love it so much. Uh, <laughs> so the goals of the plan uh, look at personalized learning and, and through the lens of recognizing that the technological tools at our disposal allow students to have greater choice and voice and agency in making decisions about their learning and their learning paths. So it, not necessarily waiting for a teacher to make that uh, decision or or relying on a teacher to have to have all of this in his or her head at the same time, um, but instead putting choices forward at the very beginning of saying, what are you interested in? How can we leverage resources that, one, help you to explore those things in which you are interested, and two, help me to assess those standards that have been set forward of what I'm expected to help you learn in the time we have together. Uh, so personalized learning from from an interest perspective um, as that is aligned with those standards at the same time. Um, it, it's, it's really another piece of that um, I think that we're really excited about and, and folks maybe know uh, is the, the Go Open uh, movement uh, that we've been working on out of OET, mm -hmm. right? And so this idea that you can create a number of openly licensed educational materials that are attached to a shared standard, a curriculum standard, um, and that you could put those in front of a student or a group of students and say, here are the pathways um, that I, to, to this piece of knowledge or this ability that I'm responsible for helping you get to, but I'm not going to tell you this is the pathway you have to take, but technology starts to enable the, the student, the learner to choose those pathways and construct those pathways on, uh, her or his own, um, and really building that experience out in, in that way. So students are becoming co-designers of learning experiences, um, in, in the places that are moving, uh, the, to adapt these things the most quickly and in, in, in more advanced ways. So one of the um, ideas that we've identified in our district is, um, and we didn't talk about this, but we did a research project last, last year in terms of supporting teachers in moving in this direction. And we have some teachers who are who have been highly successful and we have these pockets and we're looking at systemic change. And one of the um, concepts that came up is this idea of, of being a networked teacher. 
And this is certainly something that you've talked about. So can you talk to us a little bit about the concept of connected teaching and what it's like and how leaders can provide conditions to help teachers get connected uh, with other like-minded practitioners? Yeah, it's, so uh, connected teaching is, is, I mean, there's an element of being networked and connected to other teachers, but it's also, um, it's, a lot of this work, uh, this research is done out of the Connected Learning Alliance, um, which is now connected to the LRNG um, uh, work that's being done and, and education, educator, innovator. Um, so connected teachers not only see themselves as connected to other teachers, but see the work that's being done as connected to other work that has been done by students before, right? Mm -hmm. So building that in transference of skills and knowledge uh, into a learning experience um, and, and being able to help students say, oh, this is similar to this thing that I have done uh, before. Um, mm -hmm. And I think that that's what becomes really interesting, right? So it's, think, it's, it's over setting or overlaying um, kind of a, a computer network or a local mm -hmm. area network as we see it in our heads and understanding uh, that we're able to, to network our learning experiences and connect to the people we need when we need them, connect to the experiences and the information we need when we need them and, and putting that in the perspective of both a leader or not just a leader but a leader, um, a, a classroom teacher, a student, a family, all of those folks right, are, are learning in a connected kind of way. So this idea, it's taking you back to the idea of interdisciplinary learning and connecting to real-world learning opportunities. Exactly. Um, so it, one of the pieces that is so important uh, to me as part of NETP is um, the, this kind of what we're terming the digital use divide. Um, right? So connected learning is absent in passive use. And we have over two decades of research and observations that show us that students from historically disadvantaged backgrounds are asked to do much more passive things with technology than their better resourced peers. Right? And so uh, if you have the resources and you, if you are from a better advantaged background, you are most likely being asked to do very active things with technology. Right? This is the creation of artifacts of learning, the creation of new products. This is the folks who are in the maker movement and the maker spaces um, and folks who are solving problems that are real world and authentic. Um, but we know that if you tell me uh, kind of the zip code or the demographic breakdown of a school, I'm probably going to be able to statistically uh, guess what students are being asked to do within, within that space. And this comes down to not just, you know, district zip code or a zip code, but it's also if you tell me the title of a course, uh, right, because we know what's happening in there as far as learning is concerned. <laughs> We probably know how the technology is being learned as well. And that divide cannot stand. There needs to be a much better equity of transformative uh, learning experiences through technology than there currently is. The research also shows us um, oftentimes that uh, you'll get uh, students from a historically um, disadvantaged background who have a lot of technology at their disposal. Um, but they're asked to do those same passive things. So it's not just the presence of technology that makes a difference. It's what students are being asked to do uh, with technology. And a lot of that comes into professional learning, right? When teachers mm -hmm. have the professional learning experiences that are, are kind of model um, what we hope they are going to be able to do with students, then they start to have those and create those experiences in their classrooms. Very interesting. So you've shared a lot of the... Um very powerful and interesting ideas that are communicated through the tech plan. Mm -hmm. And 
as leaders, we're always interested in hearing some specific examples. And you said that the, the plan has lots of examples in it, and that's one of the reasons why we as leaders should access it. So could you share with us uh, one example that you're really excited about and that represents some of the ideas that are uh, core to the tech plan? I'm going to give you two. I okay. Know you said one, but I'm going to give you two. Two's great. Um, one uh, that I'm really excited about is an example out of Rochester, New York. Um, it's one of the highest concentrations of poverty in the country. And they have a superintendent there who, or not a superintendent, I'm sorry, they have a school board president there um, who is extremely active in the schools. So not just elected and waiting for issues to come to him, but kind of moving in and saying, well, how can we do better by our students? And so Rochester, uh, one of their high schools, has a year-long course where they are video conferencing with another high school um, in Tampa, Florida, and it is a course on civil rights in the U.S. Now think about the composition of Rochester, uh, New York, think about the composition of Tampa, Florida, and think about the experiences those students are able to share over the course of a year and the depth of conversation that comes from having a diverse perspective uh, from a geographic standpoint and, and the conversations and experiences they're able to have. Right? We talk often about technology being able to open up worlds and we hear a lot of uh, classrooms who are kind of once or twice interacting with other spaces through a video conferencing um, experience. But these are students who are having an entire year-long course to delve very deeply into these issues. And I think that that's uh, pretty fascinating mm. and, and great stuff as well. Um, another example that I love um, and that we've seen are folks who are taking this policy document, right? And now remember, this is a federal policy document and engaging in book clubs and book studies of a federal policy document in their districts, right, with district leadership. So we've got um, some uh, ed tech teams uh, in the Pacific Northwest um, of a district that are going and looking at it as a, as a book study. We've got academic folks um, in Chicago, the academic team are reading this document as a book study. We, were, uh, we did a weekly Twitter chat um, for five weeks where each section um, of the document was examined each week, and so we put some questions out there. And we've seen other hashtags um, conducting uh, book studies of this. So I think that that's the other piece, is using the tools to learn about how the tools can transform learning um, has been one of the best examples that I've seen so far post-public. Uh, so it's not included as content, but just how folks are using the document has been pretty fascinating. Mm -hmm. I did see that Twitter chat uh, advertised a number of times. Didn't get to attend and show up, but uh, certainly saw it out there. And I think one of the things that I'm taking away from our conversation today is that I think when people think federal federal government, you know, policy document, they're sort of turned off by that. But this is very different. This is this has a lot of supporting material to it. Um, You've got those examples in there, too. And I, I just feel like I'm leaving the conversation with a totally different perspective on um, the federal role in these things, too. And I think that the department really should be commended for that and you for your work as well um, in really putting something together that's being use, used and useful. Well, thank mm -hmm. you. And I, I will say that I know, I know there were I mean, Twitter chats are happening. They're kind of. Uh, stuck in time. Um, but what we did is we uh, created a graphic card for each of the questions that was asked in each week's um, uh, chat. So that's it, uh, tech.ed.gov slash netp slash graphics. Um, 
All of our graphics are published in the public domain, so if folks want to take those and, and use those, they, there's no need to attribute them or cite them for us. Um, but those graphics cards, if, if there are leaders who are listening and are interested in having these conversations at the school or district level, um, we've put those together too, so you don't have to basically uh, make up your own questions. But uh, there's some, hopefully some good jumping off points for folks. Excellent. Thank you. So you've, as Randy just said, department's been very busy building this very rich resource and we have used the um, future ready documentation and actually found it to be a very user friendly and interesting um, tool and provided us with some opportunities for some rich conversation. Um, what else are you working on at the department in the areas of, of ed tech and transformation? Yeah, we um, are thrilled. Um, one of the, the nice pieces and, and the things that, that makes me most excited about NETP is a lot of the efforts that I think I've already mentioned um, are aligned to the NETP, right? So it's not like, here's this national policy, mm -hmm. and now we're going to go off and do other things. But they're mentioned in the plan as pieces that, that the department is working on. Uh, so future-ready schools, a, a huge component. Um, 2,100 superintendents across the country uh, signing the Future Ready District Pledge. Um, and committing to making having these kinds of conversations and, and vision setting um, go on in their districts. That's that's over a third of our country's students represented by these superintendents, um, and over 50 partners nationally and regionally um, committing to aligning their resources, the the existing assets, to the the needs assessment of future ready. So that not only does the assessment help leaders say, oh, here's where we need to work, but they say immediately, oh, here are the tools that other organizations have created to help us do this work. Um, because oftentimes it's not that we need new things, it's just that we need better access um, to those new things and that we uh, are seeing a shared language developed, right? There's 17 states mm -hmm. that have committed to becoming future-ready states. Uh, so future-ready being a, a big component of how we're seeing folks operationalize uh, the vision of the NETP. Uh, mm -hmm. Future-ready leaders I mentioned as well. Um, and then uh, the, the Go Open movement, kind of the, the key uh, big buckets of, of what we're working on there. All of that in service, I should say, um, to President Obama's uh, Connect Ed initiative, which folks oftentimes uh, talk about in relationship to connectivity, um, because the modernization of E-rate was perhaps the, the biggest success initially. Uh, but there are three other components there around professional learning, access to digital resources, and access uh, to hardware and devices that were also announced when ConnectEd was begun. And so we're seeing our work as being very much in service of that, as well as uh, Acting Secretary King's goals uh, around lifting up and celebrating the teaching profession. So hopefully uh, all of those pieces moving, moving toward the support of those goals. So certainly a lot going on in the Office of EdTech to support our work as we make these um, this transformation of our of our schools and our classrooms. So thank you for sharing all of those resources, and I have um, linked them in the show notes. Information about the Office of EdTech and Twitter, following Zach on Twitter as well. Link to the future ready resources uh, that Zach mentioned. Um, the stories from other districts, those graphic cards and um, some future-ready information, and we'll add some, some info in there on the Go Open movement, which we're also talking about in the district. So thank you very much, and um, lots of resources there for our listeners. My pleasure. This has been a great conversation, and uh, eye-opening for me as well, and I hope for our mm -hmm. listeners. So thanks for being here, Zach. Thank you.
Each episode, we leave you with a couple of questions to think about with the idea of provoking conversation. This episode's questions, which of the five essential areas will play the most important role in your school's transformation? And what will your teachers need to do differently? And how will you need to lead differently? If you've enjoyed today's episode, would like to comment or just find out more about the resources and links we shared in today's episode, check out the show notes at tltalkradio.org and look for season two, episode 21. We'd love for you to rate the show in iTunes. Let us know your star rating and consider leaving a one or two sentence review. If you have time to do that, you'll help new folks discover this content. That's it for now. Thanks for joining us on this episode. We'll see you next episode for a conversation with another innovative thought leader. Thanks again, Zach. Thanks, Zach. Thank you. Bye-bye. Do you want to simplify your school's technology, save teachers time, and improve students' performance on state assessments? You can do it all, but don't waste another minute. Head straight to IXL.com forward slash BE to learn how IXL's research-proven teaching and learning platform can help you achieve all of these goals. That's IXL.com forward slash BE.